0: All right. Thanks for joining me uh, for an episode of Isaac's Autism Wild podcast. Today, I'm very lucky to have Carla Carnegie with Willow Song Music Therapy Services um, to podcast on this topic about um, music therapy, what it is, how it might benefit your child, um, what a session would look like. Um, We're also going to talk about insurance. And then also, and first and foremost, Carla, um, thank you for joining me. I wanted to You and I have talked, obviously, off-recording, and so I'm more familiar probably with music therapy than the average person, Um, but can you, because you've explained to me all of your education, and I think for those that are listening, I want to start with that. So can you just talk to me a little bit, for those that are listening, um, about yourself, um, kind of what got you interested in this, and then all the education and even the the
1: exams that you have to take to become
0: a board-certified music therapist?
1: Um, well, I have been a musician most of my life, and usually music therapists start as just good musicians, but they want to use music in a different way, uh, maybe more of an impactful client-centered way than just, you know, performing or being a general music teacher or such. But I, um, because I was a musician, I And a composer, I wanted to get a music degree, which I did um, later in my life after my youngest child um, graduated from high school. It was my time to go to school and get my um, college degree. So I I went um, to Whitworth and I got um, a music degree with a focus on composition. And it was during my journey um, getting my music degree that I discovered, quite unexpectedly, um, the profession of music therapy. And, um, it really piqued my interest. Um, and I got this strange, um, magazine in the mail from the cancer society. I didn't order it. I have no idea why it came to me, but it did. And right on the, the title of the first page was music therapy and chemotherapy. And it's like, wow. So I read that article and it talked about how people that were engaged in music therapy had less side effects of of chemo and they had quicker um, return to energy and so on afterwards. Um, I thought, wow, that's Kind of interesting, so it piqued my interest to, to, to do a little bit more searching, and I ran across an article about uh, a violinist, and I'm also a violinist, so that piqued my interest. But a violinist who went back to her home country, um, of Vietnam, and um, worked with children who were uh, on the streets and orphans and so on, and. Um, developed a a program with them that was just mind uh, and um, life-changing for these kids. Uh, Wow, that's that's really amazing. And so in getting my music degree, you know, not really understanding what I was going to do with that degree specifically, um, I I soon came to the conclusion that music therapy was the direction I I needed to go. But that was going to require another degree. And so music therapy is a, a a required um, at least bachelor's level in an, in an approved music therapy program. Um, And there's master's level and PhD levels in music therapy. Um, And there's some 70 universities across the nation that have uh, one or three of those um, levels of education offered. And I Ended up going to Portland to Merrillhurst University and pursued my music therapy degree. So once you're done with your academic portion of the music therapy program requirements, you um, are invited to enter um, uh, an internship program, which is 1,200 hours, and that amounts to a full six or seven months of full time, 40 hours a week, basically. Um, involved in an internship where you're practicing all the things that you've been learning and you're you're working with clients face-to-face so I finished my internship in Portland and then came back to Spokane and um, sat for my national board exams which gives me the credential music therapy board certified which is MT-BC okay and I um, had to become self-employed and open my own practice um, in order to work as a music therapist because at the time that was two thousand and twelve um, there was only one other music therapist that I could find in town, and she was working at Sacred Heart in the children's hospital on the oncology ward part time and um and so there was just no other hospitals or in schools or anybody that was going to hire me as a music therapist, I had to just start as a private practice, and and that's what I did. So Willow Song has been in existence since 2012, um, and so I've been a board certified music therapist for eight years. Um, there's several other um, continuing ed uh, courses that one has to take in order to maintain that MTBC um, credential. Um and so I'm also a neurologic music therapist uh, and um a fellow because I've continued additional um courses um in that to maintain that credential. Um so music therapy, what it is, in the short answer is uh, it 's a clinical and evidence based use of music interventions to accomplish individualized goals within a therapeutic relationship by a credentialed professional who has completed an approved music therapy program that 's according to the American Music Therapy Association, which is you know the the umbrella of Music therapists. Awesome. The long answer I
0: was is I love the long answer. The long answer is my favorite because it is so fascinating. So I'm really
1: excited for you to explain this for our listeners. Yeah. So the long answer is music therapy is an, uh, over 70 years old um, and it's an allied health profession, just much like OT, PT, and SLP, um, that's deeply rooted in the psychology fields, music fields, neurology, anatomy, and physiology. And in specific music therapy courses, um, using music elements to reach non-musical goals, and how that works is the music and the uh, and the brain are very interconnected, and uh, that's why it, the, there's uh, the neurology is involved because of the brain and music are just really attracted to each other. Um, the The saying is. Uh, brain engaged in music is changed by music because it rewires the brain. It's the one activity that that we can be involved in that can actually do that. So we're working on non-musical goals using elements of music. You had also mentioned too when we were talking at one point, and I
0: think maybe you sent me even some graphics on this. Like they had done, they have done like MRI scans, brain scans. I don't know if they were MRI, but brain scans using music and how music affects the brain when they're setting it in that format and how every part of the brain like activates and engages when you're using music and I think that is so fascinating it is it was just you're so right funny. when I saw the graphics and I'll, I'll um make a little note to myself and I'm going to try and find those graphics so I can actually link it to this podcast so that um, people can find it because it really is fascinating how the music activates all parts of the brain
1: simultaneously. Exactly. exactly. All the whole brain is lit up when your one is engaged in music. And this is part of the whole evidence-based, research-based part of music therapy since its inception. Um it's very heavily um researched and and we work off of you know evidence-based techniques. Because of that research, and it was until wasn't until the MMRIs came along that we could see how how fabulously the brain is lit up and in, and, and stimulated and ready to go when one is engaged in music and so you know people say, "Well what music should I listen to?" or um, you know whatever it's like well, listening uh, to music is only a very small wedge of that pie, it being engaged in the music is where the magic is, and i I say magic because because it's so fabulous how how the brain is affected with music and the responses that come because of that of that that vehicle, that modality using music.
0: I love how you just said that engaging with music is where the magic happens. I'm actually writing this down because I want to actually be able to use that because. That is, I think, a really beautiful way of describing your field and how you're engaging, you're using, you're engaging with the music in order to activate the brain to then work on those neural pathways um, for 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 goals. So we're talking about achieving. Goals and they're not music related goals. These
1: are non-musical goals goals that affect our life, how we how we function, how we get on in life. So the the focus of the music therapy inventions are on enhancing the social, the communicative, motor sensory and emotional and academic cognitive functioning um of a person. And specifically in this case that we're talking about um, those that are with ASD. Yes. And, that's the, and the cool thing too is by uh, assessments, like just like the other health, allied health professions, we use assessments. I was just going right. to bring that up because you guys have yeah. assessments, just like
0: any other PT, OT, speech. You yeah. guys have an assessment process where you're assessing the child, and then you use your assessment. So talk about kind of your assessment process and how that works.
1: So uh, we're, we're engaging in elements of music for that process that process of assessment um, because. A, a person is, that's engaging in music is going to is going to evoke various responses to that music that we can measure. Um, various. What we like to do is come from a place of strength. So we're going to see the strengths of a client as they respond to music, and that w- by enhancing them, out of the assessment plan comes. A treatment plan so by enhancing those strengths we can work on the parts that are more weak so it's a strength-based uh, focus rather than a weakness based
0: oh I love that too I love anything that's focused on it's strength-based learning I love that
1: so I thought I would just give a, a few um, things that the qualities of music what it does Um, to achieve these things. So music provides sensory stimulation that evokes and regulates motor responses. Music enhances emotional responses that are integral to learning and change. Music facilitates social interaction, essential to building relationships. Music provides opportunities for communication of feelings, needs, and desires. And that communication can be nonverbal and it can be verbal. Uh, music provides an enjoyable and non-threatening means of rehabilitation and recovery. Uh, music evokes associations that contribute to an increase of well-being, life quality, and um, living, just standard of living. Music provides diversity from inactivity, discomfort, daily routine. Um, music is flexible and can be adjusted to meet the needs of varying physical communication, cognitive, social, emotional, and behavioral functioning levels. Music is structured and occurs through time, which serves to provide a framework for restoring or maintaining function. Music provides stimulation that holds attention and concentration, facilitating learning across all the domains. And music is measurable and can be documented, assessed, analyzed, and validated to track progress in music therapy treatment. So as as music therapists, yes, we assess. The treatment plan comes out of that assessment uh, and then is invoked. And uh, throughout the process, evaluation continues um, and reassessment sometimes happens um, because of that. And um, we measure progress. So I want to tell a story about a child that I work with, if I could. Absolutely. That's going to give you an example of what I'm talking about. So this child started with me when he was seven. He is ASD and blind from birth. And he comes to me um, at a preschool um, where he was seeing, I seen him during the summer and he had a paraprofessional with him because of his anxieties um, and we could only work together to start with for a length of time of 20 minutes he that was all he could focus for a length of time of, of 20 minutes um, and in that 20 minutes about every other 20 seconds he was saying what's next what's next what's next that he was uh, that anxiety in him was so high and profound it It was was interruptive of everything that he was trying to do. Mm -hmm. But throughout that summer, that child began to calm and engage and could attend and focus for longer and longer periods of time. And those times of interruption where he was worried about what's next, what's next, lessened as time went on. Now this child is twelve. Um, he loves music and he is engaged now for the full 45-50 minutes that we have together. Um, he is he does he participates in all the music therapy um interventions that I I present to him and and goes beyond. And he has come to be able to tolerate sound, um, volume, I mean. Um different kinds of instruments that first would upset him now he can tolerate that sound so sensory has so changed and then he started with um being able to only tap on a small drum that i would hold and now he plays on a big floor drum and he can make all the sound he wants he alternates movement of both hands he um uses mallets and he alternates movement of both hands. So his hand, I hand, not I hand coordination, but just coordination um, of alternating both sides of his body and, and in fluidly has increased. And he had told his mom a year and a half ago that he wanted to be in band at school. Oh, that's amazing. And for him to be able to, to go from that really hard place where he could, he could not tolerate anybody else in this in the in our music therapy time um, to the chaos that a band room provides and be able to hold his own and attend and focus and work those arms back uh, alternately, like yeah. one has to do if they're going to play a snare drum. He has just come so far and now he's in band at school and he's doing so well. So in our music therapy times, you know, I incorporate more, more work with those um, mallets that he's using, the drumsticks and, uh, and, and patterns and recognizing patterns. So a lot of improvisation goes back and forth with us and um, call and response. We call it um, where I do a, a pattern and he repeats the pattern. And the cool thing about music therapy is, and you can, see, and this is again the measurable part of of outcomes, is that you know at first, if they can just hold a beat for a few seconds, that's awesome. And then pretty soon they're holding a beat rhythmically, uh, fluidly for. You know a minute or something, and mm-hmm. then it it just gets more and more where they the, the length of time the duration is is lengthened where they can hold their focus and attention and maintain that, and then they they can repeat um more and more complex patterns, so at first it might be just da da da, da but pretty soon it's gonna be da 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 da, da. yeah um. You know the the, the sequences, and that's part of the issues too with SD is the sequencing, um, and we see we can measure the how the brain connects and heals and 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 grows um, with the sequencing um, and the memory that it takes yes. to do
0: that. Well, and I was just thinking the word
1: I was thinking is working memory, being able to retain
0: it in your brain long enough to be able to then repeat it. And that's the thing that I personally, just in terms of like an adult, I, my working memory is very poor. So I've always struggled with music. Um, so, but that's interesting because you're right. I can definitely see how this would definitely help with there at that, that sequencing and working memory, being able to retain things for longer. That's why I was never good at like that. Um, that Simon game where it's the lights and you have to remember the right order to push the lights. Uh-huh. I could never do that. Yeah.
1: So some of the other um, other methods of, of intervention that we might use are singing. Um, I mentioned improvisation with this child on the drums, but he is he is badass on the piano too. I love it. But yeah, and and here's the other thing too: as we use music in various ways to achieve those non musical goals so in his case he had very low muscle tone so his the strength of his fingers and being able to work his fingers independently and with any kind of strength was very very low so the piano became a really important tool for me to use with him so he could work each finger independently on the keys and so all we had to do was with five keys, right? Well, there's a lot of things you can make up with five keys. Yeah. And he learned strength and, um, and, and dexterity with those individual fingers with, you know, little piano games on the piano and then improvising on black keys and improvising on white keys. Of course, you know, he doesn't have sight. So he's got this incredible ear and he finds his way around. Um, and he just expresses so much in that improvisation, even on the keyboard, that is a part of, you know, that's the the limbic system at work, the the emotional. Yeah. Um, and we can go on on just piano improvisation for ten minutes, <laughs> you know. Yeah, yeah thats is that that is so far from where this kid started. Yeah. when he was seven, it's it's just just the joy to see and work with them and appropriate, um, appropriate social skills. Um, he, he will now, we do dance together. And so, you know, he, he tolerates touch and he, he marches his feet in time. Um, he's still a little, you know, that, that's just an ongoing, um, goal, you know, with, with moving his feet in time and lifting his feet and so on like that. That's, but, but, but that's, that's attainable. Sure, but he is enjoying it, um, doing the movements and again, functional memory, yeah. um, the choreography that we're doing in a moment in a time to a song. he's remembering, okay, now we're going to do this move and now, no, now we do this move, and so he is just going right along with it and enjoys that so much, so I'm very proud of him for, for where he has come. From where he has started, and it you know it takes time, and every kid's going to be different in the length of time it takes to do these things. But these these kinds of goals transfer; they generalize into life. Yeah, and so yeah. he's much less anxious in the classroom. He can attend to what the teacher is saying. He can he can do the you know the the work on his device that he needs to with with confidence and with dexterity that he needs because his fingers will work independently and with, with control and intention. So um, it, it generalizes into his quality of life overall and his ability to just move forward in, you know, in schoolwork and everything. Yeah, I can completely see that. I have a question for you because you mentioned
0: seeing, and this is one of those things where um, when my son Isaac was little, uh, you know, he passed away right before he turned four. But one of the things is that he was not, he was never conversational and um, didn't really even have too many words per se. But what was interesting about it was that he loved music. Music was one of those things where, you know, if he was, you know, we couldn't find him in our house. If I turned on the TV And like played the theme song to Jeopardy, he would come running from anywhere in the house, you know what I mean? So if I couldn't find him even outside, if I could play the music, like some of his favorite songs, he would come running because he was so drawn to music. But what was interesting about it is the only time he would really actually even try to use words was singing. He uh, actually, his favorite song was, uh, his favorite musician was, aside from the Wiggles, was um, Johnny Cash. And he actually did a pretty good job at hitting some of the words when he would listen to Johnny Cash's Ring of Fire. And so when you mentioned that you use, uh, some of the methods that you use for, for, you know, using music therapy, singing is one of them. And I think it's really fascinating where you can have some kids where they don't really have the capacity to talk or speak in like conversational speech but actually can sing beautifully and actually, you know, use song in order, you know, to get words out, but just to be able to draw them on a daily basis for the purpose of communication is very challenging. Is that something that, I mean, obviously I, I, you know, this probably is well-researched and, you know, I haven't ever looked into it, but I find that fascinating. So can you kind of talk about how you can use like song and like singing as a way of being able to attain some of those goals?
1: So so singing um, is a means of accessing language. And so another child I worked with, I, um, he had very little language that, that he could use you know, for communication. But repetition is a beautiful thing. And it's fun when you're combining it with maybe some rhythm. Also, the rhythm... Makes the neurons fire, yeah. So you are accomplishing a couple of things by using rhythm and singing, which is we're we're working on building the language. Okay, so so it it fires the motor neurons, and the motor neurons fire the the prefrontal cortex neurons, and those you know go to the speech language centers, and all these things are happening simultaneously. And so repetition that child he got to where he could sing complete songs while we were drumming and singing it together. And other words would would just come out periodically that like, wow, he just said a whole sentence, you know, and before it would be just a word here and a word there, but he was putting it together. And, and it's a, it's a motor neuronal cortex, um, Thing and it's the the prefrontal cortex, which is the executive center of your brain, Mm -hmm. planning and doing, executing, uh, and all and the speech and language center. All of these things are being strengthened and connected, and the brain is organizing through the use of music. And that's the coolest thing because you know we might be able to get a, a word out here, or a sentence out there, but it's that coordination and that synchronicity of of the music and the language together that happens. And the and the brain organizes using music. So if you're feeling really chaotic and like just you know out there, yeah, use yeah. music and some rhythm, and it boy you just feel like. Okay, I kind of feel put together again. You know, that's how I feel. Um, at, as a typical, neuro, uh, typical, you know, functioning person.
0: Well, that is so funny that you talk about that heavy rhythm. And um, so, my I, I just got remarried, and my husband's seven-year-old son has. Um, you know, he's significantly impacted by autism, so he has you know some functional language, but you know what they consider to be ASC level three, so the most severe. But what's interesting is one of his favorite things to do with me is um, he likes to be um, when he likes to be in the car. Car ride, loves car ride. And so when he's in the car with me, I let him play DJ. So I just give him, I open up my Spotify app on the phone and I hand him the phone and he gets to play DJ. And the thing about it is, is my least favorite music is rap music because I don't really follow the lyrics and I feel like he can't really understand them because it's really very heavy rhythm and um but that's all what he migrates to and it's funny that you say this because i think what you're saying is so true it's like he really latches on to that heavy rhythm i don't think he cares even what the lyrics are he's really he listens to it for the span of like about 10 seconds and then he can tell whether or not it has that that heavy rhythm that he likes and then he'll skip to the next one so it's really fascinating when he starts going through and what he's drawn to but it's all stuff that I don't particularly care for because I want to be able to like, you know, hear the
1: lyrics and all of that. And
0: he's after that heavy, that really you know heavy beat. That's a
1: sensory input that he's seeking. Yeah. And, um, and so, you know, in the music therapy center that I have, I have all of these tools that I can use, you know, um, various different instruments, various sizes and shapes of drums. And they all have a different sort of sound. And um, I have tone chimes and I have xylophones. I have all kinds of different things and they have the, they can choose sometimes with what, what they want to play out of a, you know, maybe two or three things. You yeah. want to play this, this or this. Um, and, and it's really fascinating what will be, they will be drawn to on any given day, depending on what their sensory needs are.
0: Yeah. Oh, that's so true. Well, and that's kind of what my strategy is when he gets really escalated. Um, and he starts hitting himself. That's one of my things. It's like, you know, oh, I feel like maybe we need to go on a car ride and you can find some music that feels good. And that usually calms him down because he just that's him needing to re-regulate. And between I think, the vibration of the car and then him being able to be in control of, you know, the music and what feels good. Um, he's just happy as can be. And so that's kind of what we do when things are at, uh, you know, level 10 of like
1: ooh, meltdown city. That's kind of how we, how we organize things. So yeah. you mentioned a couple of things, um, the vibration and, and being in control. Yeah. And, you know, in, in the music therapy session, we seek to provide opportunity for both of those things. Sound is vibration Yeah. and different instruments and things will produce different vibration or intensity of vibration and um, and having control is be, being able to have choices yeah All right. it doesn't matter if they're nonverbal or if they're verbal I talk to them as if they can tell me yes I do because too. they find a way to to let me know and and um, it's still you're still working on building vocabulary and building language regardless of where they're at it's you're, you're treating them as if, if they're already there in some ways and yet those steps that we take help us to reach reach that um it, it's a it's an amazing thing i have a, another child he's a teenager and he has also struggled with accessing language but now with like i just mentioned um giving him choice and and talking to him as if he already is there this kid will now initiate a favorite song that he decides that he wants to sing at the time it's me, it's one that we've done in the past and and we've done a lot so he just starts singing the whole thing yeah himself and that's an empowerment tool yeah and giving him choice of of an instrument or whatever is also empowerment being able to have choice autonomy those are important things rather than me just sitting him telling him what he's going to do every second oh, yeah. um it's it's that engagement also Part of that engagement, and it's also what music therapists believe as the ISO principle: meeting a a child where they are, and taking them from there to where they need to go. That's really that's a really good point,
0: Carla. You kind of mentioned that it sounds like you work with all range all ages. So, is there kind of a um, a minimum age that you seem to that is a good like starting point? Up through, I have to think I, I can't imagine that there's ever an ending point because I'm not a person that believes that there's ever a point in life where like, oh, we're this age. So now we don't do therapy anymore. I think that we can reach um, goals, you know, through adulthood. But is there like a minimum age where you like to start um, engaging with, with kiddos?
1: Um, I, I enjoy engaging with kiddos at any age that they are. And I think about kids that are in the guild school and they age out. Yeah, And then it's like, what happens to them from then on? How do they continue to really meet those non-musical kind of goals or whatever kind of goals they have um, w- with what, they, what, they're, what they're able to access after they leave the guild school? Yeah. Um,
0: I hate aging out. I just, I hate even the form. Yeah. I don't even like talking about it. It gives me, yeah. me negative feelings. I don't
1: like hearing that. Yeah, exactly. So with music therapy, because we can adapt everything and can and change even in the moment because it's live. It's not like we're putting on a CD and oh there you go. Yeah, um, yeah. It, we're using live music and we can we can are flexible and can adapt and change in a moment to meet the need of the kid at the time or the person at the time. So there's no aging out with music therapy. It's 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 ageless. Yeah. So I don't have a particular age where. Um, is the best time or whatever it whatever time that the, we can see the kid is is the good time and that can be that can change for you know with that with with every family because of whatever other issues they have going on um if they're able to to get music therapy so i'm going to bring up one other thing how can how can people accept access music therapy that was going to be my um, next question <laughs> <laughs> so, so um you can access music therapy as a private pay. Um, and in some ways, it's maybe less expensive than some of the other therapies, so it can be more accessible if you're private pay. Um, also, there are grants that one can get, and I'm going to tell about one that I know of that is is a good place to go to for resources, and that's Elevations. It's a nonprofit organization that provides monies for kids to get therapies that they might not otherwise be able to afford. Have you
0: ever they had might. families um, qualify through Ben's Fund? You repeat that. There's also another one. Um, I'm just, because there's actually three that can give out grants for different therapies. So Elevations is one. Have you ever had any families um, receive a grant through Ben's Fund that would, that you able oh. to... No, I haven't. Okay. And then there's also the United Healthcare Foundation it can provide therapy grants for some therapy interventions.
1: That's really nice to know because, um, yeah, I didn't hear, I didn't know of either of those two.
0: Well, I'm just making sure we cover those three. I'll also put those in our, um, the, the, this podcast so people can go there and I'll put links to that. Um, so I just didn't know if you had ever had any families that had been successful with Ben's Fund or the United Healthcare Foundation, so I'm Putting an asterisk on those ones just because we don't know for certain, but it's definitely worth checking out.
1: Uh huh. And then um, music therapy can be insurance paid, but you know, every every there's so many different insurances, and they all have their own limits and hoops you have to jump through to get that item paid for. So it's a it's not something that I've had success with yet in this town, but I haven't actively worked on billing insurances, um, a whole lot, um, mainly because it was like so time consuming for me to do that. And at the time uh, I was just so, my schedule was so wildly full that I didn't, I didn't have the time to sit on the phone with an insurance company and hack it out with them. Um, now, right now that we're in COVID, you know, it's like, well i have time to do some of these things but you know i'm not seeing a, as many clients as i was sure. um because of covid too so yeah. there we go but um but it's it's a it's a process that i'm willing to um investigate and work on for a family um it's just that uh i can't wait for months and months and months and months and months and months and months upon a, an insurance company that might ultimately say uh uh-uh, uh we're not going to cover that um, so it, it, I still need to have something well, in the meantime, you know what I mean? Sure. Because I, I have to pay rent and I have to pay utilities and so on like that while we're hashing all that out. So yeah, um, it, it can be, it's just a, it's going to be some work to get the insurance, um, part covered because most insurances around Spokane have not ever been challenged with music therapy billing.
0: Yeah. And I think uh, you know East Coast and it's kind of an a uh, larger state like California I think that music therapy is a
1: more common intervention. In oh yeah, of- all through the Midwest and the East Coast, um yeah. it's it's used all over and people understand it, The insurance does not understand it, they're covering it. You know, so they're but they've had music therapy ingrained for and utilized for years and years and years. The Pacific Northwest is kind of the the still the wild west of music therapy integration and utilization because it because it's this is kind of the last holdout and yeah. there's there's only four of us in Spokane um board certified and that's like that's growth from where i started in 2012 where there was one <laughs> and then myself so we've we've grown a little bit um, but It it takes time, and most of the music therapists in Washington State are over on the coast. Yeah, you know Seattle, Olympia, Tacoma, all
0: that. Oh, we're Spokane. I always say sleep is I call it sleepy Spokane for about like I say three to five years behind West Coast, like the west side of Washington, and then I feel like we're like ten years behind. Years, (laughs) yeah, rest the world, and then like fifteen years behind East Coast. You know what I'm saying? So I call us sleepy Spokane because we kind of trail behind Western Washington. We also trail behind even more than West Coast, and then of course we definitely trail behind when it comes to some of these um, kind of medical advances than the East Coast. East Coast is very progressive, and how they um, serve you know autism and other disabilities it looks much different than the West Coast. So it does. yeah. It does. So let's talk a little bit about um, Willisong Music Therapy Services. Do you actually come into the home? Do you have a, a location where they, the
1: the family bring their child? I, I go to um, a client's home where I have to, where it's where it's ultimately necessary um, to make it work. Um, but I really like for families to be able to come to my center, um, so because I have all the bells and whistles and tools that I need, you know, to to utilize um, with it with a person. So um, also, I can see more people when I have them come to my center yeah, <laughs> because I don't have the time chance of the day exactly I don't have the driving time involved uh, in between so I can definitely see more people that way and that that's important too because once my my schedule starts filling up again um that that's a really important part you know being able to see who, who all is wanting to be seen yeah um, yeah so Willow Song is located in Oda's Orchards Um, easy access. I've got a family that comes from the North side. They just bop down uh, to the freeway and, and out. And, you know, it's not that it's not that long of a deal. Um, I have others that come to me from Post Falls and Rathdrum. Um, I do go see a group of folks with Parkinson's in Lane and I work with them on a weekly basis. They can't drive to me, uh, and many because many times of folks with Parkinson's aren't driving at all anymore. So um, I go I go there to see a group of them. Um, but Willow Song provides um, group experiences for children, and I have it kind of segregated as as to age. Um, before COVID, I, I had a small, small group going on Wednesday afternoons, um, with two different age groups, and um, I haven't resumed those because these kids were kind of on the fragile side, and you know, with COVID, we just don't take those kinds of chances. So, no, I um, although I do have, I do have a large space, and I can, I can socially distance. And um, I wear masks with all my clients. And so, uh, and then I, I clean, I sanitize all the instruments and, um, and, and the center itself, door handles, all of that, be in between. So, um, so I have a pretty high protocol of, of safety, but, you know, still we have that going on. But I do, I do um, offer um, classes, uh, sessions for little, little groups, small groups. Okay, so you do groups and individuals? Yes, I do. So both individuals and groups. Perfect. Okay.
0: Well, Carla, I appreciate that you took time out of your Wednesday. Is it Wednesday? It feels like like should be like Saturday in my mental mind. <laughs> Yeah, I understand. This is the first week of virtual learning for us. And so it's just been it just every day feels like a week. But um so thank you for giving up part of your Wednesday to talk to us about music therapy. Um and just again, I, I think it's really important for people to understand your credentials because this is not um this is not music lessons, I guess. The difference between no. what you do and music lessons is so much different. Um so this is really a good uh, therapy interventions. And again, sleepy in Spokane, can, you may not know much about this. So that was our hope is to try and just educate more people about what music therapy is and what benefits it might have for the kiddo.
1: And with, when you said music lessons, it's not that I can't do music lessons. I do actually do adaptive lessons. So, oh, okay. that's so, so like with my, with my, my child that I work with uh, that's blind and I'm ASD that's in, in band, he gets kind of a mini lesson um, with the drumming um, each, each time, because that's where he he's at, you know, in school, he needs that extra support. So, um, so it is like an adaptive lesson for him. Oh,
0: that's interesting too. So I'll actually make sure we make, we make note of that, That that's an option too, for those families that need adaptive music lessons that you are available to help with that as well. Is there anything else, Carla, that I miss that you feel is important that we make sure we capture in this podcast? We got all the highlights. Okay, good. We got all the highlights. Perfect. Okay. Well then I'm gonna go ahead and wrap this up. Thanks again for joining us. This is Isaac, Autism Wild Podcast. And that's it for now. If you want to be notified of our next podcast release, be sure to hit subscribe. And just remember, we're all in this together. So find your tribe and hold them tight.